life. I'm really glad that you opened up your uh, like your soda uh, before we started the podcast because I just like ruins everybody's listening experience when you're listening to someone like I don't know do a podcast or like really anything and they're just like munching or they're just doing shit in the background and it's like way too noisy. I I, I almost wish that like someone would just be eating like those jacked Doritos mm. like just into the microphone just like a big thick crunchy thing that's almost like got the consistency of like a corn husk yeah yeah like on a tamale like if you just bite into it like i did the first time i had a tamale you just bit right into the thing with the corn husk still on it well no i didn't i ended up just like sucking the meat out because believe it or not the corn husk is way too like hard to actually bite into and i actually think it wouldn't be good for your stomach if it went yeah, in there probably not it'd almost be like eating like a block of like um like ceiling tiles yeah yeah uh, that's disgusting uh, like as you imagine like that you did like the gag or <laughs> Oreos, where you have the two cookie halves and you put like toothpaste in the middle. Could you imagine doing that with a ceiling tile where you have like an ice cream sandwich, but instead of ice cream, it's just like a like a foam ceiling tile? Just like, that would just fuck someone's day up. Like, why would you that? That would fuck that? up someone's life. Like, I could never trust food again after that. <laughs> Anything that's white, you don't trust. No, of course not. Not not, not in that world. Not, not in a world where people are putting ceiling tiles inside of ice cream sandwiches. Then again, I don't trust most things that are white. Anyway... Mm. <laughs> oh man but yeah so i just bit straight into the tamale because a uh, quick trip doesn't tell you that uh you can't just eat this thing it's next to you know taquitos and uh you know whatever those like chicken rollers are that are probably just made up of like chicken feet and beets hell yeah with like maybe a little white meat put in there dude i <laughs> I ate that shit, but, like, I just was, like, I have to not think about this. You know? Anyway, so, you know, they put it into, like, all these other, like, little handheld eatable things, and they don't tell you, like, hey, you gotta open this tamale up, or you have to suck the meat out of it. I guess you're just supposed to know that, but I fucking didn't. Yeah. So, thanks, Quick Yeah, trip. I was gonna say. I'll be suing you. It really... Retroactively. Yeah, it really doesn't seem to be that intuitive for most people. Like, I don't feel like they sell a lot of food like that in grocery stores or fast food restaurants. Like, I guess the opposite of this would be, like, a chicken wing. Like, if you've never eaten chicken wings before and you just bite straight into it and just like crack the bone in half <laughs> like if you didn't know there was going to be a bone in there that would be kind of a bummer <laughs> it would be a super bummer i actually don't like chicken wings with bones in them i prefer bone uh, of course you do i mean well okay so i'm already weird about meat as is like just having the bones actually still in there like weirds me the fuck nah out. man nah you gotta suck those things dry that's what i'm all about man oh uh, getting all the marrow oh uh, not like cracking them open necessarily i'm just talking about getting all the stuff off of them so there's just like two mm. bare bones with little nubbins of stuff at the end yeah man i'm into that i see see like i eat pretty much like i think you know i can do flats like flats i can do because like you pretty much just like crack them down the middle and then take the one bone out and then eat it like a meat lollipop interesting way that of looking i can at do it. okay oh have you never done that like just crack it like you just uh you hold it at both ends twist it and then one of the bones will just slide right out and then you just no i kind of i kind of like pulling all the stuff out from in between the bones see that's because you're a fucking psycho yeah exactly yeah i puts the low on my skin you puts the lotion on your skin and you give yourself the hose yes whenever it is asked <laughs> whenever it is asked i don't even want to know what that means it came out of my mouth and i don't want to know oh yes ladies and gentlemen live from coast to coast we proudly present for your information with zach and john
welcome to Warrior Information with Shaq and John. I am your host, Clarice. I mean, Zach. And I'm John. Uh, did you say Shaq? Shaq. Hello, my name is Clarice Starling, and I talk like this through the whole movie. Uh, that was... Like, I never understood, I never understood, like, why she's so quiet through the whole movie. Yeah, kind of soft-spoken, <laughs> like... <laughs> and the accent really was kind of jarring for me, too. Uh, for those of you that haven't seen this movie, uh, this is Silence of the Lambs, and, uh... <laughs> I don't think I'd seen a movie with Jodie Foster in it up until this point, and I really didn't know what to expect, even though I'd heard the name a bunch. And it's not mm-hmm. a good accent, at least not at first. It, it, it definitely takes a minute to, you know, based on you. I don't know what I'm trying to say. It definitely takes a minute to get used yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. No, it definitely does. It's, it's, it's one of those, like, jarringly Southern accent. Like, I mean, me and you grew up in the South, mm-hmm. and there are definitely different levels to a Southern accent. Like, there's, like, you know, like, kind of like me. Like, there's, like, a little twang sometimes to it. Mm-hmm. But, and then there's, like, the, yee-haw, we're gonna go fuck a pig. There's that That's shit. disgusting, but okay. Hey, this this whole movie's disgusting and this whole podcast is disgusting yeah anyway <laughs> but then like there's all the little in-betweens different states have different southern accents i don't know what the fuck her accent it's west is. virginia that must be yeah i was gonna say it has to be some west virginia shit west virginia is a weird place sorry anyone who listens that is from west virginia but uh your state's weird and shouldn't exist uh interesting take (laughs) why do you think that west virginia should not exist um okay so living in pa Mm -hmm. and uh being having to interact with people from west virginia from time to time it is equivalent to like the north georgia mountains it's the same kind of people they're just more used to the cold and the snow they're hillbillies and they are indeed hillbillies like i remember um a a driver came into our warehouse from West Virginia and I went outside and like saw his truck the hood was literally held down with duct tape hell yeah dude functionality and then I was like okay it's just that one guy and then it happened again wait the same guy or a different, <laughs> different driver different driver different truck and I was just like oh I I, I guess hey man they're killing all the coal jobs you know they're trying to move into green energy but they're not keeping the jobs in West Virginia so there's not a lot of going for them anymore Mm-mm. they gotta make the most of what they got I I guess but I don't know why they have to come into my you know into my warehouse after being on the road for five days and not showering hey man that's the life you know I the life on the open road like a Johnny Cash song um I'm gonna live in this truck I'm gonna get women that resemble the person that I want to be I'm gonna put them in that truck I'm gonna take them home I'm gonna keep them in a well and then I'm going to uh steal a part of their skin let's get right into our movie for this week um if you didn't catch in the beginning we're doing the silence of the land I from 1991 was so misled it's not silent it's not a silent movie and there are no lambs in it hmm so is that what you thought when you were spending um the last 24 years not fucking watching any movies john Uh, how the hell didn't you see this thing you know this one i don't have an excuse for at all because i'm into horror movies like a lot and you could call this a horror movie like i know it's a thriller but like yeah okay you don't make halloween costumes of uh i don't know uh falcor the luck dragon you know you make it of hannibal lecter (laughs) so true true 
Uh, we'll, we'll get into that here in a minute. But anyway, just uh, like, what did you know about this movie before you went in? Other than you thought it was a silent movie with lights. Uh, I did not actually think that that's what it was. That, that would be fun, though. That would be tons of fun. Um, I knew that there was a killer. I knew that Hannibal Lecter was the killer. Or I thought that he was like the killer for the movie, but he's not. Um, I knew no. he wore that weird half mask in part of the movie. Uh, that's pretty much it. That That's pretty much it. That's pretty. So it began and ended at Hannibal Lecter. Like you understood who the character Hannibal Lecter was. I was familiar with the name, and I knew that he ate someone at one point, and that was it. You didn't know that that was like his bag. Like that was his whole thing. Is he? Eats well, yeah. People. I also didn't know that he wasn't the actual focal point of the film. Well, correction. He is the focal no. point of the film, but he's not the plot driver of the film. He actually has very little screen time for you know what most consider to be the best part of the film. He actually only has twenty four minutes and fifty two seconds of screen time. Yeah, that's. Really really not a lot considering no it's almost a two or it might be over two hours it long. is and so the fact that he's in less than half of it is crazy especially considering that anthony hopkins the guy that plays hannibal lecter is considered like a star in the film yeah he actually we'll get into this later as well but he was he actually won best actor for this movie because it's great despite being on screen for such a small amount of time it's so good he is so good in it but i don't know like i i feel like having that little screen time should have landed him in supporting actor but he is like second to top bill yeah i mean technically he is like the leading male role yeah and it, it's just so weird that he has such little screen time but is like the the biggest thing from the movie that people take away. right and maybe it's a substance thing maybe it's like a, a quality over quantity thing you know he when he's on screen it's important and it's worth watching you gotta pay attention but when he's not you know they find other ways to drive the story yeah i mean the character of buffalo bill is very interesting um he's definitely based off like you know ed gein and uh gacy and all these other serial killers so he's a well-written serial killer it's kind of based in reality yeah they kind of do it backwards you know like they don't start with the backstory and then go forward they start with the end product like we're into the meat of the serial killer cycle and then we go back and we flesh out the character as the movie goes on like working backwards which is really cool especially when you get to go like look inside of his home for a little bit you know there's like bugs it's like an operating table he's got like mannequins he's like nude at a typewriter like he's just frank synopsis like this is just frank synopsis's house <laughs> frank synopsis started renting it from buffalo bill after buffalo bill was arrested right and then after that he got evicted by buffalo bill for being the worst tenant ever and that's saying a lot considering it is buffalo bill we're talking about <laughs> who has almost no standards no well i guess he does he buffalo bill likes the thick dishes. i guess he also likes having a well dug <laughs> in his basement for keeping people inside of so that's fun yeah but he specifically mentions that he likes like slightly overweight people because they're easier to make skin suits yeah out. size 14 is the sweet spot apparently yeah <laughs> it put the lotion on its skin you big bitch anyway <laughs> before we before we get too misogynistic john john did you make me a cocktail this oh, week teach me yeah. teach me give me those sweet nuggets oh yeah boy. you know i did i always do but i have an important question for you first sec uh, are you a light liquor guy or a dark liquor guy depends on how bad the day was but i mean honestly uh, there's not really a liquor that bothers me i guess 
yes, but is uh, bourbon considered a dark liquor? It would liquor? definitely be a dark liquor, yes. Okay, well, that's my favorite, so I guess I prefer okay, dark. Okay, I see. Uh, do you think, like, Hannibal Lecter is a dark liquor guy or, like, a light liquor guy? Because, you know, there's, like, types of person that's like, goes along with being a light liquor or dark liquor type. Like, a, a light liquor person is almost never going to win in a fist fight against a dark liquor person, you know what I mean? I think he was doing more than licking her. But Oof. anyway, I don't... <laughs> Oof. <laughs> All right, so that doesn't answer my question, but okay. I don't know. I feel like he he's a he's a refined person. He's a very scholarly person, so he'd probably prefer like a darker mm-hmm. liquor. I'm thinking like a brandy. I guess. Yeah, a brandy or uh, whatever the fuck fava is made into. Uh, yeah, don't know, don't know, man. Um, but I'll tell you what I do know. I do know that I've got a cocktail for you. Okay, later. All right, on so me. this one's called the Delectable Cherry Limeade. Mm. You see my little funny play on words there. It's I, all I have going for this one. It really has nothing to do with the movie other than it's delicious. Actually, I wasn't even drinking this while I was watching the movie. I was uh, drinking Midori Sours. Mm. You ever have a Midori Sour? No. Uh, what does that consist of? Uh, literally just Midori and Sour Mix. That's it. Yeah. Oh, have you okay. ever had Midori before? No. Interesting. It's like a it's like a Japanese melon flavored liqueur. Oh, okay. So it's like a sour like melon kind of drink. Uh, yeah, thing. yeah. It's a little tart. Um, it's. <sighs> It's bright green. Yeah, okay. I Now that you're saying it and you told me what color it is, I've definitely seen it before. I've just never had one. I've actually never had any um, Japanese liquor uh, like um, like sake or Midori. I've never had any it, of it. I need to get yeah, on that. Yeah, sake is pretty good. Uh, they actually make some really nice whiskeys too. So if you get the opportunity to try some Japanese whiskey, since you are in fact a dark liquor person, I uh, highly recommend it. Okay, I will give that a go. Anyway, tell me more about the cocktail. You- so for this cocktail, you're going to okay. need a highball glass. Uh, that and ice that's really the only prep you got to do that you're not going to ruin the glass or put anything in it um then you're going to take an ounce of vodka a half ounce of rum an ounce of lime and a tablespoon of maraschino cherry juice or syrup you know you get from the jar with the cherries uh mix all that stuff together you can stir it in uh like a like a tumbler glass with the bar spoon or you can shake it up if you have a cocktail shaker it really doesn't matter too much and pour it over the ice and top it with club soda. Put your maraschino cherry on top, you're good to go. Pretty straightforward, pretty simple. Uh, you can adjust it to taste, so if you want a little bit more cherry flavor, maybe add a little bit more cherry juice. Uh, you can also just add a little simple syrup, you know, if you find it a little boozy or a little sour. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> did you have fun making that oh, of one? Of course I did, yeah. Uh, the wife really loved that one. It was really good, although I didn't actually drink it while I was watching the movie. It's kind of a bummer. Did you come with up with it after watching the movie? Or oh, before. Before? before? Oh, yeah. okay. Gotcha, gotcha, Yeah, gotcha. this one was a before one. Some oh, of you just keep like a backlog of cocktails you know that you've like experimented with and tried over time you're like what am i gonna do with this one what can i do with it then you just kind of insert it you know because like they don't really drink any booze in the movie so i mean yeah can you imagine buffalo bill just (laughs) swacked out of his mind on like i don't know like a natty ice you think he's a natty ice? i i don't i think he's more like a sex on the beach guy I think he, I think he's more of like a, like a Coors Light guy. Like, I don't know. Like, I just, I just imagine like, I wouldn't trust anyone I saw drinking Coors Light. Really? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like, or like Miller High Life or anything like that. Like any of those. I just don't trust those people. Uh, that's such an interesting, uh, of all of the liquor out there, that, that's the beverage that you're going to say <laughs> is untrustworthy, Coors Light. I've just, I've never met a person that drinks Coors Light like regularly that I've A, kept in my life for more than those five seconds. <laughs> Or B, just like, I don't know. Like, I've just never had anyone that does that. And all the people that I know that drink Coors Light are like pieces of what shit. What about Doug, though? 
What about Doug? Oh, okay. I guess Doug's okay. Maybe he I'm was wrong. very into course. Uh, he also liked the Paps, though. So that, that, I guess he kind of split the difference. See, there. yeah, you split the difference. Like if I'm saying like exclusively drinks course lighter Miller. Oh, High Life. I see. Uh, Miller High Life is a special one though. Like if Miller High Life is the champagne of beers, then like Stella Rosa would be the Miller High Life of wine. Like it's just like why like who who is this for like it's been around for a long time and they keep it around but i never see anyone buy it or like um uh what what is it uh stella artois yeah like who is this for like i get that it was like a like a quote-unquote craft beer before craft beer was a thing like for real but why is it still around why do we still need this who's drinking this like i've known like a handful of people to drink stella on the regular and they're not people who are contributing a great amount of money to uh miller coors or anheuser-busch or whoever the hell own Stella Artois. Stella Artois is just weird because it comes with like the tin foil on top and it almost tastes like the closest thing to like a sparkling water beer. I guess like, so. It, it's <sighs> like I always, I always felt like it was a little fizzier than other beers. I don't know why. It's just like a I guess it's a wheat beer. It, I, it might be like a type of Hefeweizen or something but like I don't know. I, I don't drink like there was a period of time where I appreciated that type of beer and I still drink it sometime. I, most recently I've been into a Moosehead Canadian lager believe it or not. Mm. Yeah. How was it, that? It's fine. It's like a mix between uh like a it's like a heineken and uh yungling mixed together but not disgusting mm, but not disgusting yeah i'm not big into heineken dude. i don't know not big into heineken Th- this is nothing to do with the movie i'm not either no it's okay it's okay we're, we're fulfilling the alcohol part that of the is podcast. a part of this it's easy to forget the beer i've been really into lately is a seasonal one from trogues which is a brewing company up here in pa it's called nugget nectar and it is legitimately like the best ipa i've ever had in my life it's almost like it's hoppy going down but then it has like a sweet finish interesting so is it like a fruit sweet or like a honey sweet like what kind of sweet are we talking here like almost like a sour sweet, like a peachy kind of thing yeah almost and it's like like and the name is perfect like nectar like it tastes like a like a nectar like a like a um, guava nectar maybe like yeah like it tastes like it doesn't taste like any particular fruit but it's just so like it's got like almost like a sweet sour finish on the back end Mm -hmm. of it it is ugh. i'm so upset that it's only seasonal because i've literally already drank like seven oh you know what since maybe i should out. get back on my brewing grind and i can make a uh, guava nectar ipa called hannibal nectar Ooh. Yeah, just for this episode of the podcast. Just for this episode of the podcast, we'll be like hot yeah. ones. We'll like we'll we'll have like a seasonal like uh we'll send people out a six pack of like different beers based on different movies. Now that's an interesting idea right there. So you watch the movie and you pick the beers to go with the movie while you're drinking them. Uh, you could do a hot ones type thing where you have someone from the movie, you know, come and do an interview while they're drinking beers. Dude, complex at complex, get on. Us. I'm into it. We're here and we're ready to go yeah we've already got a viewer base or a listener base that's like nine people we, we've got hell the yeah that, that has to be the amount of that has to be the amount of people that watches like the other shit that's not hot ones on there like uh the burger show or um fucking looking inside of celebrities closets to see what shoes and jackets they have what? 
Yeah, they have a show on the Complex channel that's just this guy going to different celebrities' houses and they show him what's in their closet and, like, what it's worth. Interesting. Um, I watched one episode on, like, Ma- at Macklemore's house. Oh, that's fun. And I don't know who gave- I don't know who gave Macklemore this much money, but, uh, it makes me upset. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that Macklemore has that uh, much money. What do you think would happen if they went to, like, Bruce Willis's house? Do you think he has, like, a bunch of wigs and dresses in half of his closet? I feel like Bruce Willis- has like one leather jacket one tank top and one pair of shoes like i just imagine bruce willis always looks like bruce willis and pulp Fiction. okay like in real life. I-, I can see that like he probably has a suit to go to like parties and like award shows and shit but i think ju- just the one leather jacket tank top and you know jeans. what i think he's uh of I course, think he's a tux rental guy i don't even think he owns the suit but when you make as much money as bruce willis you might as well own the suit i mean he might own the company that makes the suits uh you know what that's true and then when he rents from the that money just goes back in his pocket just like Jay-Z. perfect he's uh stimulating the economy he's a job creator stimulating the economy to uh put money back in his pocket when he spends money that has to be illegal nah man that's uh that's just called vertical ownership you own the different levels of production so you're just streamlining the uh process makes sense yeah dude all right <laughs> and i think i think we have sidetracked enough um let's before we get into the movie sidetrack a little even more and let's talk about genres for a minute because um this movie in particular has always been kind of like an argument point for huh. me where people call it a horror movie and it's not a horror movie okay i i would not ever classify this as a horror movie a thriller yes but not a horror movie and i, I think it's important that we talk about the difference so let's start here what would you define as a horror movie? so Sorry. for horror i'm thinking something that's uh it's gotta be like outright scary like the purpose of the movie is to scare you it doesn't necessarily have to be suspenseful but it's probably got some of that in there uh it would be commonplace there to be like uh like horror themes from like fiction you know so uh naturally your monster movies are gonna fall into the horror category a lot of your serial killer movies mm-hmm. stuff like that that would be scary to encounter in real life they just made a movie about it that simulates the experience right see horror is suspenseful terrifying disgusting and unrealistic and is usually has fantastical story elements and is not based in normal reality. Right. So, like, you know, this would be, you know, like you said, like your monster movies, uh, your gore porn, your body horror your slashers you know like anything like that something that where the central figure or the things that are happening in the film are strictly fictitious could not happen in real life okay or are very unlikely to happen in real life like texas chainsaw massacre or let's not even go texas chainsaw massacre let's go texas chainsaw massacre 2 yeah that's like a parody like the breakfast club thing on the the cover art i call it cover art like it's a record like uh like on the film poster poster. yeah yeah it is just outright fantastical could not happen like it's just too much and now a thriller on the other hand is also suspenseful and sometimes fear inducing but it's ultimately grounded in reality like silence of the lambs silence of the lambs is this could happen yeah it is it is highly stylized and highly fictitious yet it is believable like it and that's where the scariness of it comes from is that someone like Hannibal Lecter or Buffalo Bill could be a real person okay I I see what you mean yeah and so when people call Silence of the Lambs a horror movie I'm just kind of like but it's not though you know like because there's so many different types of thrillers I think people don't know how to like classify them sometimes because you know you have psychological thrillers political thrillers Michael Jackson's thriller (laughs) just all the thrillers (laughs) (laughs) And, you know... 
So I feel like people are just so quick to call thrillers horrors or call something a thriller horror, which is not possible. The only movie I think that would be able to be classified as both a thriller and a horror movie would be Get Out. Because Get Out involves very fantastical story elements while being almost styled like a thriller. So I feel like that is a true hybrid. Like, it's not scary, but it, but it like, uses a lot of horror tropes and a lot of horror, like, elements inside of a thriller. Where I don't think that Silence of the Lambs does that. I would almost call it, like, a, uh, like a crime thriller. Okay. But for people who like serial killers. I see what you mean. I would put one out there, uh, like, The Sixth Sense. Like, I think that it would be fair enough to call The Sixth Sense a thriller. It's maybe, like, a paranormal thriller, but only insofar right. as there are ghosts in it because other than that it could be totally realistic like there's nothing fantastical about it if you are willing to entertain the idea that ghosts can exist which i think is pretty reasonable considering like night of the living dead as an example of horror but even then night of the living dead would be pure horror right exactly but then you get other movies like uh john carpenter's the thing or even the thing from another world like from the 50s the original one Uh, i think that those could Mm -hmm. also be considered thrillers as well even though it leans a little more into like the gore side and stuff like that so that side would give it like a horror bend but in actuality the way that it's written and the way that it plays out it's very suspenseful it's very scientific so it does retain some of those like grounded in reality type things the only fantastical thing that's really happening there is that they're encountering aliens and uh, again it's not that hard to imagine a world where aliens exist if we're not already living in that world okay i understand that but i guess like psychologically what the um what the fantastical story elements are doing like what they're representing because that's kind of what horror does is horror takes something from our world and makes it scary like uh night of the living dead is kind of like a big thing about racism right? sure or it it has elements of that right so it's turning that on its head or like you know halloween a lot of um psychologists view halloween uh john carpenter's halloween i mean not rob zombie's halloween that's just gore porn um but you know michael myers is almost a manifestation of like you know family angst and like you know all this other kind of shit you should go look that up i'm not gonna sit here and explain it i took a whole class on this yeah i think we've already Um, touched on this last halloween we were talking about halloween and how like the the different things and what they represent i I think the thing and the thing from another world could also be that as well i think it at that particular point in history was like a communist conspiracy type thing that it was representing yeah exactly and so that's what that's that's all i really wanted to say was just there is a big difference between thriller and horror and they're i wouldn't even say they're the say two sides of the same coin they're on the same side of the coin just at opposite ends okay i see what you mean they're like closely related but they're not the same they they both have suspense they both have you know some of the story elements are similar Mm -hmm. but the way that they're executed and the way that it is um told are vastly right it's like uh reggae and ska it's like reggae and right it's yeah exactly exactly it's like um it's like does putting a trump does putting a trumpet in a reggae song make it a ska song no you have to have like more punk elements to make it ska right and that's not something you normally see in reggae right like reggae is very slow and ska is very fast-paced high energy and just god i, I can only take ska for so right long. you gotta have your uh your blazer on you gotta have like a fedora with those little ringlets in the side uh yeah. you gotta smell really bad um and you gotta have blues brothers sunglasses yes yeah, exactly dude <laughs> i, I I 
feel like we've like bullied the fedora into like not being popular we really have we beat the absolute ever-loving shit out of the fedora as a fashion item (laughs) do you think it'll ever come back like do you think that it'll ever be popular i think like i just i don't i I don't think it can i think i think we've bullied it enough that it will eventually come back at first it will be like a high fashion thing and then it will slowly become a part of our like fashion lexicon again kind of like having like big like curler hairstyles you know like yeah you can have a Mm -hmm. Marilyn Monroe cut or like one of those big like 50s like hair sprayed out like uh I'm trying to think of like a good example I'm just gonna say a b-52s like a beehive that type of shit like that is a very high fashion thing to do right now because if you were to do that in a normal Mm -hmm. context it wouldn't really make any sense but if you were to like make it into something okay all right now i can see some value in it we're not there with the fedora yet right i just imagine like a um you know in maybe like what 30 years they'll make a back to the future remake Mm -hmm. and it'll it'll be you know marty mcfly in 2050 going back to like 2010 and just seeing all uh, people with like fedoras and like emo culture and shit Mm -hmm. you know what i'm just not even gonna breathe that into existence i don't want that right and instead of bill or whatever the fuck that uh the bullies guy name is it's just bruno mars (laughs) bruno mars they de-aged bruno mars to be the bully in back to the future (laughs) can you imagine and then in like part two Bruno Mars is just the mayor of fucking fucking Lehigh Valley. Yeah, dude. (laughs) I'm into it. It's just... It's just all uptown funk. Uh, yeah, he turns the world into, like, an uptown funk-inspired world. <laughs> or you can have it be Marilyn Manson and he can turn it into Halloween Town. I'm down for that. You know what? Fuck it. Marilyn Manson. Yeah, Marilyn Manson is gonna be, uh, the bully in, uh, Back to the Future 2050. Back to the Future 2050, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Michael J. Fox Please will come back and be Doc as an old man. Oh, I would love that. I would love that so much. But anyway, we're not talking about Back to the Future. We're not talking about any of that shit. We are here to talk about Silence of the Lambs. But before we can get into that, of course, as always, unleash the Frank. Hey, 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 how's it going, guys? I'm back again to give you another synopsis for the movie silence of the lambs a big favorite of mine oh is it a big favorite of yours frank uh why is it's that? a very utilitarian movie i mean if you're looking for advice on tailoring they got some stuff for that uh if you're looking for advice on how to battle the rat king it'll also give you a little bit there too and i'm sure you've had many encounters with the many rat kings that scurry around central park at night. oh yes you have no idea how many uh, little did i know all i needed was a colt python and a pair of night vision goggles so okay so do you just let the python loose or have you weaponized the python? i like your angle but what i was talking about was a revolver oh okay you're giving Sorry. me more ideas though i'm I, really really into this actual python thing like uh it would just be like a um i guess like a gun where it opens and i don't know like i guess the python is tied into the gun and then when you release it it shoots out like a grappling gun well you see some guns have a laser sight and some guns have a flashlight mine has a tactical python attachment it has a snake on the gun how do you keep the snake from buddy anyway t- frank tell me about silence oh, all right let me, let me just do this thing real for you so i gotta further explain my python culture okay. clarice starling is pulled early from her fbi training by her mentor jack crawford to investigate multiple murders linked to the serial killer known as buffalo bill She's assigned to interview Hannibal Lecter, an incarcerated serial killer and cannibal, in the hopes that he will give Clarice the insight into the mind of Buffalo Bill. Thank you. 
Thank you, Frank. That was very succinct, very nice. Um, I'm going to leave you to go invent your pipe. Uh, can you give me some bus fare as well? Frank, we already gave you like the two fifty we owe you for, and that's two dollars and fifty cents. You're you are somehow part of the podcasters union, and you somehow get paid for this. And I don't know. Well, two fifty is enough to get some food at Petco. All right, all right, go on. Let John back in on your way out. Okay, so th- Hello, did you John. get like a like a snake or something? Like what what's what's that thing about? It's just on your living room table. What ah. Oh. Someone come give this snake to Frank. He left his fucking python here. We were talking about making a python gun. Interesting. A python, not a gun called a python. Like the cult python, like from uh, The Walking Dead. That's what Rick uses. Yeah, that's what he, you know what? Wait, someone gave Frank a gun? Uh, we don't have time to talk about that. We only have time to talk about Silence I of really the Lambs. I really feel like it's a matter of public safety at this point. Silence of the Lambs was released on February 14th, 1991. It was directed by Jonathan Dem and produced by Kenneth Utt, Edward Saxon, and Rod Bosman. Those are such fucking producers. They really names. are. Screenplay was by Ted Talley, based on the novel The Silence of the Lambs by Thomas Harris. Mm-hmm. I actually had no idea that this was based on a movie until I saw it in the title cards. Yeah, it's um the Hannibal Lecter character is actually started as a novelization series. Huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, Claire East comes back throughout uh, most of them, except for the first book in the series, uh, Manhunter, which was also a movie before this. Okay. In uh, 1986. Might have to give that one a watch too, because I really, really liked this movie. Um, that's the thing about most of the other Hannibal Lecter movies is they're not usually huh. good. I mean, do they bring Anthony Hopkins in as Hannibal Lecter in the future movies? Uh, yes. Uh, he, I believe, he is also Hannibal in Red Dragon which is a uh, remake of uh, Manhunter with Anthony Hopkins and then also in uh, Hannibal it's another one and then there's a Hannibal Rising movie that's like an origin story that's not Anthony Hopkins and then of course there's the Hannibal TV show which I've heard is pretty good but I've never Speaking watched it Speaking of, you know this year they're doing a uh, Minions Rise of Gru movie? Fuck that I I, I saw can't. the trailer please, for it please stop. It's truly just his backstory like he's like a young Gru and he's trying to join like a league of supervillains and that's it It, it, he already has a bunch of these minions in his basement though it's weird it's so strange i i just want the whole minions franchise to just go up and smoke like i just need like whoever invented the minions to like murder a bunch of people so that we can just forget that this those movies existed like i need something horrible to happen to the point where everyone wants to forget the minion because they annoy the absolute goddamn shit out of me like i just want to smack yeah. one i can't go to universal studios because i know the second i see a minion i'm gonna smack the ever-loving shit out of it like do not come near you know me. i'd be really into them making like trash cans into minions you know you have like the tall cylindrical trash cans with the dome lid you could just paint them yellow and put an eye on it and then when i hit it with my car i don't have to feel so bad about destroying public property (laughs) or like um like at disney world like they have all the like different like fucking trash cans that go with each land so there's like a it's a small world trash can like i just imagine you kicking those trash cans over pretty regularly if you ever go to disney uh no i'm just gonna pretend like the trash cans don't exist and just leave garbage all over the park believe it or not if you leave it there and then come back in 10 minutes it'll be gone right like there's a custodian like waiting to come pick up trash every 10 minutes in disney how, world. you're supposed to never see trash how on the many ground. duties do you think they find on the ground in disney world like duties you mean like the, it's their duty to pick up things that are on the ground or like poop? <laughs> like, like poop like duty poop like how many poops like do they duty. just have out on the ground in disney world um i would like to imagine it wouldn't be the first time but it's not often okay because like 
I can't, like, unless, like, people are just, like, shitting and walking. Yeah, I think the fast pass doesn't work for the bathroom. So if you're just waiting, no. you had too <laughs> much, uh, whatever the fuck food you can buy there. I don't know, mouse turds. What what do they sell? They're like churros, but they're just shaped like rat shit. <laughs> like, what are you? Are churros not just rat shit? Anyway. <laughs> we are not even close to on track to review this movie. <laughs> The music for The Silence of the Lambs was made by Howard Shore. And the film, of course, stars uh, Judy Foster as Clary Starling, Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter, Scott Glenn as Jack Crawford, who's in the movie for like 10 goddamn seconds, and then Ted Levine as Buffalo Yeah, Bill. Howard Shore went on to do all the music for the Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah, so it's... And you can hear it a little bit when you're watching You can, movie. oddly enough. Um, Jodie Foster, I think this is a really good choice. Uh, apparently she wasn't actually the first pick for this but i'm glad they ended up with her and also they wanted to get sean connery to play hannibal lecter instead of anthony hopkins did you know that yeah i did know that and that really is could you just imagine i was going to eat the human skin <laughs> a little bit of human skin from your mother oh. ah trebek i just that anyway guy, um, he's never gonna go back to scotland because they're never gonna be free <laughs> Anyway, and to round off this little section, the budget for this movie was $19 million and the box office was 272.7. So they had a little bit of a Rocky syndrome here. Yeah, it, they spent a little bit of money and they made back a bunch. Yeah, of good for them. I think if they were going to remake this, uh, they should cast like Kristen Stewart to play Clarice Starling. Um, you know, I guess I could see yeah. that. I could see Kristen Stewart being a good Clary Starling. Like, if they were to remake this, which they thought about doing, because um, apparently they kind of hit a snafu in the Hannibal series, mm. where they needed to use plot points from Silence of the Lambs to, like, further the story. Uh -huh. But they, they didn't have the rights to, like, use, like, the film part of it, so they, ha they would have had to, like, completely remake Silence of the Lambs mm. with the actors from, ha from the Hannibal TV series. Series. interesting and they and they never did it and that's kind of why the show ended i see that i think that was probably a wise move for them because that's not a movie it really doesn't seem like a movie you just want to remake on a whim like it's something you really need to take your no, time with not for no reason yeah like unless you're gonna redo like the whole thing like um they were supposed to do with uh the girl with the dragon tattoo like you know the swedish versions of the film are very good and i thought the american one was gr was pretty good as mm -hmm. well but then they never went on to make the rest of them so it it's almost like that like you don't want to remake something if you're not gonna like redo the whole thing so i think if they started at manhunter and then went on mm -hmm. i think the signs of the lance would be a bump in the road because i can't see them doing much better than uh, this effort that was made here yeah because this is a very good movie. what if they got like michael bay to direct Please shut your whore <laughs> mouth. <laughs> anyway, let's get into a little bit of pre-production. Um, the film rights were bought before the book was even published for five hundred thousand really? dollars. Yeah, this is this is actually a Hollywood thing that like I'm starting to find with like some other movies I'm researching right now. Like sometimes if they hear about a story, like um, because of course Manhunter had already come out, it wasn't a great big box office success. As a matter of fact, it was a flop. Mm -hmm. But then uh, the story about this one, The Silence of the Lamb, started to kind of circulate. And 
and like you know early copies were sent to producers and then orion films actually just bought it huh outright and, and then sent you know copies out to different actors judy foster somehow got her hands on mm-hmm. it and she was interested in it before the book even went public. interesting i mean different world we live in now like with the internet you know people would probably know about stuff or they would just have too much other stuff on their plate to even care about you know but now mm-hmm. you know for 1991 a half million dollars you just kind of buy it you just buy the rights however what was interesting is they didn't have the rights to use the name hannibal lecter interesting those rights were belonged to producer dino de laurentis and he owned it from when he uh, made manhunter and he actually ended up giving uh ryan films the rights to the name for free because uh he didn't make any money on them so he was just like you know i just take this if you can do something good with it awesome i huh. don't care so he just let it go the first person jonathan dem thought to play clarice was actually michelle pfeiffer and not Jody oh again Foster. with the bruno mars he thing actually... huh michelle pfeiffer that white gold <laughs> that white gold see it it's all sense. full circle it's it all planned sense. out it's like a like a fibonacci sequence <laughs> the entire script for this episode was pre-written before we even started <laughs> anyway <laughs> um michelle pfeiffer was like delighted that he thought of her for the role but she declined because she was nervous about the subject that's crazy which it's understandable i mean like because she kind of like had like a good girl kind of thing going on so like you know getting in there and you know doing this serial killer movie might have kind of killed that yeah movie. yeah and you gotta have that so it would be like a butterfly effect like if she would have taken this movie you know maybe in the future her reputation would have been different so bruno mars wouldn't have put michelle pfeiffer's name in the song uptown funk it would have been jody Jody foster Foster, that white gold yeah see bruno mars career was shaped by this movie (laughs) the butterfly effect is real more like the moth effect um the moth effect god (laughs) so the next actress he approached was meg ryan who declined and then he went to laura dern who also declined for similar reasons to michelle pfeiffer only then was he like okay fine jody get in here just fucking do it you wanted it i don't care anymore seemed to work out and then like seemed to work out i mean she did great she won best actress for this so i don't i don't know what he was fucking worried about um and as you said sean connery was offered the role of hannibal lecter and he declined it because he's sean connery and he has things to be at like Wembleton. yeah of course he's um, again he's never gonna go back to scotland you know he he wasn't going to be Hannibal Lecter unless Scotland was free. And he's not going to go back to Scotland until Scotland <laughs> is free. He's going to be waiting a minute. Um, Other actors that were considered but um, were never like officially approached because Anthony Hopkins uh, pretty much won the role in an audition um, were Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Dustin Hoffman, and most interestingly, Daniel Day-Lewis, who is a uh, notorious notorious method actor and i really don't want him to uh be involved in a movie about cannibals yeah yeah i see how that can be problematic yeah because daniel day lewis stays in character until the movie is done filming i'm into it honestly it sounds kind of fun (laughs) i mean until you get yourself in a heath ledger situation and then it gets really sad really fast it's always really sad it's always sad and that's that's why like it's always bad in philadelphia it's never sunny in south philly anyway (laughs) so i couldn't find like a whole like a production timeline for this one so i'm just gonna spout off like a few interesting little things that i found Mm -hmm. um filming for this actually took place mostly around pittsburgh and some in northern west i really like how you almost said pittsburgh i mean it 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 is in the rust belt and that rust had to come from somewhere disgusting and i love it dude i I have to be honest i think i like pittsburgh more than i do philadelphia Mm. 
But it's only because, like, Pittsburgh has such a, like, interesting character to it. Like, I've never been to a city like Pittsburgh. And if you love bridges, like, if that's, like, your thing, like, architecture-wise, if you love looking at bridges, Pittsburgh is, like, your place. There's, like, a bridge every 15 huh. seconds when you're driving It's kind of like place. a sad, dirty Portland, Oregon. Almost. It definitely has that vibe, but it's definitely a lot cleaner than you would think it would be with a name like mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. And also, that's where Mr. Rogers oh, is that's from. crazy. Mm-hmm. Anyway... <laughs> Um, one thing I thought that was interesting was, um, you know, like I kind of made fun of Jodie Foster in the beginning, um, for her, for her accent she chose to do Mm -hmm. in this movie. Um, her disgust when she first meets, um, Hannibal Lecter and he insults her accent is actually genuine. Like, she was actually kind of pissed. Interesting. Was she... Like, still, still, still in character, but she was kind of like, how fucking dare you? Yeah, pissed about Hannibal Lecter or pissed about Muggs, Muggs, Migs? Who's that guy in the other cell? Migs throwing cum at her. I mean, if you're going to be mad about, like, you're already in a cell with a, with a bunch of, like, you know, deranged killers and, like, other types of criminals. I mean, I think I would expect things like that. And then maybe someone making fun of my accent would probably catch me off guard. Like, oh, okay, so I'm the thing that's wrong. I there. would rather Fuck someone you. just throw a log of shit at me. You would rather... I mean, yeah, I guess so. I guess it would stain your clothes for a lesson. Like, I would rather see that turd coming end over end like a big, long, brown snake than have someone throw cum at me. Almost I'm thinking, like, nunchucks, but it's just one big-ass turd. You might want to talk to Frank. I think he could use this information. Anyway, um, another thing I thought that was interesting, and I'm sure you could notice it, John, it's the the technique that the uh, cameraman or the director used to uh, show people talking to Mm. Clarice. So when, like, a character is talking directly to Clarice, they talk directly into the camera. And whenever Jodie Foster is uh, talking to that character, when they do, like, you know, split, um, she's actually looking slightly off-camera. And I think that's supposed to give you, like, a feeling of, like, you are are Clarice like you know you're kind of like Jodie Foster is just like the shell for Clarice that you're um that you're using so it can like put you inside of the story I see that and it definitely makes sure that you know that Jodie or bleh, Clarice is the focal point of the movie like you are seeing it through Clarice agreed eyes. that definitely came off in a very tasteful kind of way I also think it really helped sell the characters a little bit more so like we're talking about Hannibal Lecter the looks that he has and like just the different points that make up who he is on screen are really Really, really brought to the fore by using that camera technique i think yeah and it also another interesting thing about the um about the camera work in this movie is definitely in the scenes where uh clarice and hannibal are talking every single one of those shots are a reflection so when you're seeing clarice it's her reflection into hannibal's mm-hmm. cell and when you're seeing hannibal it's his reflection into the outside of the cell so it's like it's almost like they are um reflecting each other interesting because in a way they are like they're trying to meld in one so that they understand each other and so i think that i love it when cinematography helps tell a story and this movie definitely does that very well Mm -hmm. um and in lighter news uh the would you fuck me dance was originally not in the script oh really but it (laughs) but but it is in the novel all right that was gonna be my follow-up question was was it in the novel it is in the novel, and uh, Ted Levine, the man who plays Buffalo Bill, insisted that it be in the I mean, movie. I get it. That, that's such a serial killer thing to do. You know, first we had Nip Tuck, and now we have Dick Tuck. 
and like it i get it i think that it is an important part of this character because it doesn't really <sighs> buffalo bill doesn't really sell the the sexual like feminine part of his like psyche in any way other than this mm-hmm. like yeah he puts on the makeup and stuff <laughs> yeah he dresses up like you know what uh, okay fine this takes it to the level that makes it convincing that he is both unstable and trying to be feminine even though he's like a weird dude living in a basement <laughs> wild horses um but <laughs> It's just always, like, even though I know that, like, it's a parody of this, um, in, uh, Clerks 2, um, Jay from Jay and Silent Bob does this outside of a convenience store, or outside of, a like, a McDonald's-type restaurant. Nice. Oh, God, it's so, it, like, the way he does it is just so much, like, it just brings so much humor to, like, an already humorous situation, because, like, the first time I saw the Would You, Would you Fuck Me dance, it kind of, like, threw me off, like, I was like... <laughs> It's like that nervous laughter of like, am I gonna die? Right. <laughs> it definitely, it definitely makes you understand that this character is not. Yeah, stable. yeah. It reminds me of some of the stuff that but I it, saw living in downtown Atlanta, like at night. Oh yeah, like homeless people pissing into rags and shit. <laughs> yeah, pissing into rags. That that's what they were doing. They they'll piss on anything and everything. <laughs> yeah, it it's insane. It's a fun game that they like. Honestly, if I didn't have anything to do all day other than you know try to collect change, buy a McDouble, and pee, I'm definitely gonna find some interesting places to pee. Oh yeah, for sure. Like um, you know, on top of a building, into a plant on the other side of the building. Like I mean, you got all day. Yeah, it's great. Play games. You know, uh, try to get it into a cup from an overpass hell yeah or you know set i-85 on yeah, fire piss olympics oh god um and actually like some of the buffalo bill stuff like actually kind of sparked some controversy from the lgt shocker because they felt like it yeah i mean shocker i mean honestly i could see what the problem is here like they kind of like you know because it, it not it the world didn't used to be the way it is today like a lot of times when there was like a gay character in a movie there was usually like something wrong with them and being gay which like lumped in with it and i definitely think they kind of did that here Uh uh-huh now i haven't ever seen rocky horror picture show but this kind of reminds me of what i know about that um rocky horror picture show is almost like a um it's just so ridiculous that you can't take it seriously mm-hmm. and you should right. it's not an oscar winning film no 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 although rocky horror picture show is the longest running film in history because it's actually been running in a theater since it's uh since it opened in the 1970s so like since like i think it was 1976 i want to say i could be wrong about that but it has been playing in theaters ever since then also on like similar fun facts like that did you know that since mr brightside was released back in the early 2000s it has been in the top 100 in the uk that's like on hilarious i was listening to that earlier in the car and was like ah yeah it's a good song and just to know that it's been on the top 100 in the uk for literally 20 years is a lot to take in because it's like it's such an okay song now you're like oh yeah it's a song yeah 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 cool mr brightside this is like why it's it's like it's like bittersweet symphony like all right 
we get it it's it's fine it, it's hold on hold on no 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 i will not allow you to compare bittersweet symphony to the absolute goddamn triumph that mr brightside is i personally believe mr brightside is the best song written in the early i'm 2000s. not gonna fight you on that but we're not talking about a lot when we're talking about the early 2000s i mean when did black parade come out 2004 2006 okay so that's not even the early 2000s or no 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 2008 it came out in okay yeah so so it was it was on it was on the right. tail it, like you might be able to put like three cheers for sweet revenge in there but even that didn't have like the power that black parade had so like we're talking about like big song we're so far off base right now what are we talking about <laughs> um let's let's wrap let's wrap up silence of the land so that we can talk about whatever the fuck we want to talk about um this movie won five academy awards yeah it's just like rocky there's actually i didn't do this on purpose but there's actually a lot of similar similarities to this one in rocky like both shot in pennsylvania both won a bunch of awards Mm -hmm. it's very interesting anyway i wish i would have planned that but i didn't um so it won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor for Hopkins, for Anthony Hopkins, Best Actors for Jodie Foster, and Best Adapted Screen. Beautiful. So literally every major category. It's actually one of the only movies to ever do. Do they do that on purpose? Just like we were talking about with Rock... Um, yeah, usually, like, most of the time in the Oscars, you can kind of tell when something's gonna go a certain way. Like, usually if something wins Best Director, it's not gonna win Best Picture. Mm. Because, like, if there's a movie that the Academy feels like both of them should win Best Picture, they kind of just split the diff. Give one Best Director, give one Best Picture. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so that's usually what happens there. And, like I said, Anthony Hopkins had such a small amount of time on screen to be Best Actor. I I really don't understand how they let that go because to me that sounds like supporting actor but i'm not the academy and neither is yeah anybody else, i'm kind of so. surprised that they wanted to give it five academy awards at one time when like it's so dark that's not usually something that we see out of the academy and especially not in the 90s when it's basically just a loop of semi-charmed kind of life by third eye blind for the entire decade <laughs> just montages of people in malls to semi-charmed kind of life semi-charmed kind of life is actually a dark ass song i mean though. it's not as dark as jumper that's true jumper has no business being as cheery yeah. as yeah what are you doing third eye blind who hurt you <laughs> i don't know who hurt them but apparently uh meth and suicide anyway um and then some more like weird shit about this movie there's actually a parody stage musical called silence the musical that was staged off broadway in 2005 hmm. and the song titles include such such beautiful things as this shit and uh if i could smell her cunt and put the fucking lotion in the basket so you can kind of tell what the so is this is. like basically a guar concert where they're just throwing buckets of cum on the audience just like uh migs no. is doing it just singing songs about smelling the pussy and throwing cum on everybody dude it's pretty much they just made it like a vaudeville style like um musical like so very like early like 40s oh god i'm sorry like early 40s and 50s style music but just with ridiculous ass parody plot of silence of the lambs and it actually kind of sparked more parodies like unauthorized parodies like this to be staged off broadway all the way up until like um uh puffs which is is a uh, stage like semi-musical uh, that's playing off broadway right now about huff 
Hufflepuffs oh, what? from Harry Potter. Like, during during the time that Harry Potter was at school, but it's like the story of, like, a group of Hufflepuffs. That's That didn't need to happen. We didn't need that story. Apparently it's really good. Okay, but just because it's a Apparently good musical really doesn't good. mean we needed that story. Well, have you ever watched a Harry Potter no, musical? No, this is another one of those things where I'm, like, becoming more and more resistant as time goes on. Like, I think Harry Potter's fine. <laughs> I read all the books. I watched all the movies. It was great. And then I turned 19, and I was like, all right, Harry Potter's fine. It's fine. And then this stuff keeps going on. And I'm just like, people are getting, like, uh, like ice cream cone lightning bolt tattoos on their face on one side and a Deathly Hollows on the other side. And I'm like, when does it end? <laughs> like, it, it's, it's fine to be an adult and to appreciate things and not make it your whole life. Did we need another Harry I Potter agree. musical? We should have stuck with Equus. Not another Harry Potter musical. <laughs> just keep redoing Equus. Um, yeah, I mean, people that make any kind of, like, one IP, like, their big thing, like, that's what, like, their whole life is dedicated to, like, Harry Potter, or even just Disney adults, even though I kind of sometimes am guilty of going into the Disney adults camp. Uh, Speaking of, I met the second person in the past, we're gonna call it year, with a Disney villain's tattoo sleeve. 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 See, that's too much. Like, I don't even have a Disney tattoo, although I am highly considering getting, like, a, uh, ghosts with mickey mouse ears on it i just think that would be i cool. just i you know what get disney to pay you for the branding because that's a thing you can do if you get uh, uh you know like a like a monetized tattoo they'll either give you a lump sum up front or pay you in installments because you're essentially wearing an advertisement on your skin you're gonna I'm do it pro bono piece. though like, because like, you're just like this no i'll do it for free admission into any disney park at any time uh, it's not like music midtown in atlanta where you can get the tattoo and get in for life no that's shaky uh, same shit no it is not music midtown is so fucking overblown and like the artists don't even really get that much time so like yeah you get to see eminem you can see eminem for 45 minutes like fuck that at least shaky knees it's like it's tiered like there's the low level they get to play for like 30 to 45 minutes there's mid tier they get to play for an hour and 15 and then like the headliners get to play for however the fucking long they want like when i went a couple years back and i saw jack white he played for literally three i just feel like at a certain point that's too much of one live performance it was it's jack fucking i mean i get it i do but like ah like three hours straight at a festival dude he played like a version of Hotel Yorba that sounded nothing like the recording, and it was fucking fantastic. I'm all about Jack White. I think that he is a saint among celebrities, you know? But I'm just gonna say, Atlanta summer, three hours outside... I, I I don't know about that even for Jack White. If it was going to be for anybody, I think Jack White's a good pick. Uh, I, there are a few other musical artists that I think I could watch outdoors at a festival for three hours straight, uninterrupted. Um, The B-52s. Uh, okay, I, nah, nah, I, I, I wouldn't do that for the B-52s. I just, <laughs> nah. It's, even in Atlanta, not doing it. Fair enough. All right, well, before this gets any further derailed, this episode got so fucking bad. I'm sorry, everybody. If Silence of the Lambs is your favorite movie, uh, I don't think we cut it for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I think we're going to go ahead and sign off. So for For Your Information, and I'm, I'm Zach. Uh, go watch a new movie this week, guys. See ya. Yeah, like, um, fuck, shit. My brain. My brain's...